Hello there. I'm David Fox. I am a game designer from way back Lucasfilm Games and LucasArts and worked on the Thimbleweed Park project. And you are listening to Scene World Podcast. It's this thing. I'm here. He's there. That's us. Hello. Uh, how's it going? Good. Good. Awesome. Awesome. In a minute, we're going to be talking Farm Simulator with... Martin Gabel. That's the guy. Before we do that, uh, a couple of little things have occurred. Not, nothing really hugely major. Jurg is on his phone right now. He's not actually on his computer, so that's why he's a little bit stilted upwards. Yeah. And I look a bit funny in the video version little, of this podcast too. A little, little bit, a little bit. Is that is that a uh, is that a dinosaur to your left? A dinosaur to my left? Yeah, a green thing right there on on the shelf. Green. Other on side. The o- other I left. don't. Yeah, right there. Your finger's right on it. Dinosaur? There is no dinosaur. Oh, there's a green thing. I don't know. It looks kind of like a. I might just be making that up. <laughs> it's a. Uh... It's a Game Boy Color. No, no, it's, it's a Game Boy Classic. No, 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 no. St- it's still behind you. Other side. Top of the shelf. Green thing. No, the... that's... No, that... Yeah. No, that's a green wall, actually. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. It's it a green wall. It kind of looked like a, like a dinosaur head. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway... <laughs> We are not talking about a dinosaur simulator. We will be talking yes. about farming simulator. Dinosaur simulator would be pretty cool if they if they did like a Jurassic Park simulator. That oh. would be I would I would buy that game. Okay. Hmm. So FPGA Sid, we've talked about this four hundred twenty three thousand yeah. times in the last eight podcasts. Exactly, um, and they actually shipped. Oh my god! Yeah, it's out. I'm it's, expecting it's my parcel tomorrow. Oh my Woo. god! Woo. So it's it's out. It's there. It's available uh, at a website that CryptoFlux.com. Uh, we'll put the link down down there. Exactly, where people can yeah. can click and go to and and purchase their their own unit. It comes with, you can get just the basic thing. You can get the thing with the 128 cables. There's a breakout cable, so you can actually use the stereo SID options and stuff like that. And runs about. I just get the bare, bare one with odd cables. And yeah. I will be interested uh, to listen to that if these uh, analog filters are really so close to the originals as they announce on their homepage. Because yeah. the sound examples they had on their homepage didn't use filters. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm sure we'll be seeing lots of videos uh, comparing real SIDs and that. So, exactly. Yeah. So that that is cool. And now we can finally stop talking about them for once. <laughs> nice. Nice. Except if they are crap, then we will well, pick that well, up again. Yeah, yeah. How or it if they're could really fail good. so much. Or, or if they're really good. So actually, I guess we won't stop talking about them. Okay. Nice. Why are, why haven't they been on the podcast yet? Because we didn't invite them yet. Well, what the hell are we doing? Whose Should. job is this? 
Janet, <laughs> yours? Janet, you, you get on that. Yours? Mine? I don't know. <laughs> because we spoke with other hardware manufacturers, like um, like the guy who, from Denmark who did the new keyboard mm. and the new um, 128 remastered, which is also on pre-order now. Yes, and the pre-order is open until the end of March. So get yours mm. until uh, March 31st. And you really should get one because if there are not enough orders, it's not going to be, um, well, produced. And right, um, right. yeah, so get yours. Yes. And yeah, if, you can go to the website. If, don't, don't, be, don't be alarmed by a lack of published material about it because... I feel like the guy has just been spending more time designing the hardware than he has been updating his website. That's that's also true. Yeah. But most questions are answered in our interview with him. Mm -hmm. So be sure to listen to that. And um, I wonder, by the way, did it help? Did you fix your C128 or didn't you try after the podcast? I did fix it, yes. And was he right about that? Um, yeah, for the most part, yeah. It works. Hey, I, I don't see. know I don't know how long term how well it is, but it, it it's working now. So he knows his stuff. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. So and the thing is, um as you know, there is PayPal and all that stuff. If there's any problem you can always get your money back, but I mm -hmm. I really think this um this thing will happen. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's another thing I don't like about the retro community is like a lot of people on Facebook were discussing, like, this is Whopperware, as long as I don't see it physically. Right. But if nobody's ordering, he cannot produce a physical exactly, reproduct. Right. So, and, and not everybody wants to go crowdfunding. You know, not, not yeah. everybody wants to go crowdfunding. So, um, the retro community is real fickle at times. Yeah, just because of one product that failed doesn't mean that everybody's ripping you off. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think I think it's a good thing, and as you know, by the new terms of PayPal, you can always get your money back after half a year or something. Oh yeah. Though there's not really really much risk involved, but. He spoke so openly about it on our podcast. He runs this thing out, and there are pictures of the board and all that stuff. And hey, who doesn't have an empty C64 case laying around? Everybody has an empty case laying around. And if not, then get one from eBay, my God. I mean, they, they are um, available used or new um, from the Pixel uh, Wizard store, you know, because right. Jens Schoenfeld is doing them, which we also had on the podcast before. Um, so get a case, get this board. And the best thing is you don't need a C128 case. You just need a C C64 case for it. Right. right. So that's about that. Mm -hmm. um, what else did happen? Uncle Art. The film, which has been in production for some time, uh, is out. I don't think it's out in general sale yet. It, it should be soon. Um, so that's that's cool to see. Yep, 
that's true. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, Lucy and she said, no, it's not out in public sale yet, but it should be. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see. You know how things... <clears throat> sorry. You know how things go maybe next quarter. We will see. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. no definite release date here for the physical release. But, right. but I got mine because I was a Kickstarter backer and I got a physical mm -hmm. Blu-ray. Me too, me too. Well, so, I, got, I got the digital download. I did not get the physical Blu-ray, but... Nice, nice. Um, so that's, that's cool. And, and so that, well, that means it has an IMDb entry. I guess does so. It? It, oh, it does. It does have an IMDb. Oh, does that mean I have an IMDb? I mean, I mean uh, Lucy works in the industry, so she yeah, should, yeah. should make... make yeah, it's okay. definitely... It's there. I see it in the... Uh, and is there H.J. Heller? Because you should know, guys, he is a part <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, yes, I am. So tell people about it. Don't be shy. I don't know. How much can we, can we talk about it before it's out? Well, it is out on Kickstarter. So. Right, but, but, is it, but can we talk about what's in it to, to everybody else, though? I have no idea. Oh, okay. But but you can talk about little snippet, I guess. Yes, I, yes, they did. I mean, they, it's at least our material because it's taken from <laughs> from the podcast. Yes, they they did use a part of, of our podcast with with Dave and Holly Lowe from uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. So it was a, an interesting surprise to to watch the movie and and suddenly hear myself talking. So scene world. Um, is credited, and we got yeah. the quote there from HA. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, is so, so does that mean I'm going to be in the IMDb listing? Uh, no, not currently. Hmm. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. Um, other news, sad news, and uh, this is really like de death announcement because in the last podcast, we already had one, and this time. Unfortunately, record-holding player from um, former Twin Galaxies, Joel West, died, unfortunately. Mm. And um, there are quite a lot of articles about him. So we will link to that in the description. I spoke to him briefly four weeks before he died, and... Um, Wow, this really shocks me. So, in life, I always learned, like, talk to the people as long as they are still alive, because you never know how long you will have the chance to. Yeah. You know? So all this fighting between people, it's not really worth it. Um, yeah. Mm. So, and he, he, he died quite, quite young at 58, you know, yeah. and considering that many people I interview for our tech interviews that are above 80, that's right. pretty young, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that's mm. about it. I guess, guys, read for yourself. We will just link to the um, star and other articles in the podcast description. Um, as I said, I spoke to him briefly. Um, 
he's one of the friends, big friends from Walter Day. So mm -hmm. yeah. Let's hope that 2019 will be better and people will more likely stay alive. Yes. Right. Okay. 10% battery. I hope we can okay. record this. Well, then, in that case, we should probably get going with the interview since we've only got 10% of your battery left to get it done with. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. All righty. Yes. So, enjoy. Yes. Sitting right over there, waiting for us to stop talking and get on with this all is Martin. So, yeah, getting some farming going on. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and some train rides in between, like I yeah. did. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time, Martin. Yeah, you're welcome. It was nice. So today we are talking to. Martin Rabel from Giant Software, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you are a PR manager? I'm the PI marketing manager at Giant Software in uh, Erlangen. Uh, we've got an office in Zurich, which is the headquarter, but uh, I'm part of the uh, German team and we've got around 25 people in Erlangen. Uh, so we're doing a bit of different stuff than in Zurich, but yeah, we're here for like less than three years, I think, three and a half. Okay. Um, so let's start with the obvious. Um, how did you actually get into the industry? I mean, um, farming simulator and all that stuff, you sold millions of that. And um, it's quite interesting because um, AJ said um, for, for him, he wonders if that ever was a big thing in America, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you mean me? Do you mean me or a giant software? In the, I mean, I mean, uh, farming simulator. I mean, uh, I think oh, he yeah. means you, you personally. Like, how did you get into? Yeah, into, into the, the industry, well, I... and then finally being responsible for working for a company that releases farming simulator. Yes, um, because I didn't start there. I mean, uh, I think it was two thousand five. I think uh, when I joined the video games industry, and. Uh, I was at that time. It was, it was just about you know, after my studies, and I started working at a company that you know where we uh, we were um, developing software, I think, for facility management. Uh, and I was uh, yeah more working with the developers to uh, figure out what actually has to be developed. So I wasn't really a developer myself, and I still. I'm not a developer, so yeah, I'm not uh, doing the coding on the game. So that's people, you know, sometimes forget that, that not everyone is actually you know, a programmer. And I played uh, an online role playing game back then. It was called City of Heroes. Uh, that might be actually quite popular in the US and in the UK, maybe, um, where you played superheroes. And back then i've done quite a few things for the community so it was more like a, a tabloid newspaper style uploading it back then it was a bit more complicated without facebook and everything um to you know and and people liked it and at some point the company was looking for a new community manager and then it looks like they, they couldn't find one and then they reached out to me in the forums and said like hey you're doing quite a few stuff for for the community already don't you want to join and uh, we need someone to actually you know, to be able to write and come up with interesting stories, and we seem to be able to do that. And 
it meant that I had to move to the UK and I thought about it, but then I, I did. And that's how I got into it. And I think that's still something how, how people still get into the games industry. I mean, as a developer, you know, it's a bit of a different way. Usually you probably apply and then you, uh, you know, show what you've done and then you start coding. Um, but there might be a lot of other jobs where you just kind of stumble into because you're a fan of video games. Oh yeah, and then for farming simulator, yeah, uh, I came to farming simulator like in uh, two, like three and a half years ago, and I came back to Germany. I was in Berlin for a while, uh, but then I actually moved back to where I'm from, like Nuremberg, uh, this area, uh, just north of Bavaria, and I've been here for a few years. And I mean, to be honest, I was I was in touch with a recruiter at some point, and. Um, I told him that more or less like, you know, I need some time off, think about what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be in Nuremberg, but if he ever finds something that he thinks is really, really you know, a good fit for me, then he should get in touch with me again. And then after two years, he, he did it because he saw that and he thought about me it was like, it's next to you know, where you live. Um, what about that? And I actually thought, yeah, he's right. And to be honest, the thing is that I didn't know that the giant software was an airline. And I, because that, that just started after I moved back here. Uh, otherwise, it would have been quite curious, I guess. Uh, and yeah, and then I, I thought, yeah, I, I know the game. Um, uh, I know it's popular. Uh, let's check it out what they want. And then I realized the more I talked with them that it's something I, I was really looking forward to working with because that's also what I told the guy. I told him, like, um, if I would, you know, if I were gonna get back in the video games industry, uh, or like on the publisher side and developer side, I would like to work for a game and for people that love creating what they do, are passionate about it, and also a game that I think is kind of a let's say a good game. I mean, that's good in terms of quality, but also in terms of like um, what you're doing in the game. Um, how the game actually has been done and farming simulator is, uh, um, I would say like very family friendly. Um, you know, you also don't shoot anyone. Also the business model I think is very friendly for everyone. Um, so that's something I could totally get behind and then I thought, okay, let's do it. So that's kind of a long story, but, um, cause I, I don't have a real farming background. I grew up in a village, so, <laughs> um, but, um, I, you know, more and more when, when I travel by train or car and look outside the window, I try to recognize the tractors or whatever is there on the fields. And I think everyone does that when you start a giant software. Like I tell everyone, like, you know, every newcomer, I tell them, like, you know, in three months, you're going to check out the tractors outside. You won't believe it, but you're going to, you will do it. And uh, everyone does that. Well, I have to say, um, from my perspective, at least in Germany, this real, real reality simulation is kind of a hype that started, I think, like uh, some years ago. And a lot of YouTubers actually coin on that, you know, like um, long distance bus driver simulator or <laughs> <Yeah>. something, you know. <laughs> so, um, and there's even an airport um airport cargo simulator where you drive around on the airport and do all the stuff like <laughs> refilling planes and all that stuff so it's really a, um, a big thing and um, you actually sold millions of farming simulator already um, so 
it's 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 amazing so so i wonder um you you said you didn't have really a background in um in those emulators so i wonder what was your first thought i mean it's not a typical genre where the where the um the hardcore gamer would say okay that sounds interesting i'm going okay. to buy fun gotta emulator. play some corn yeah um, <laughs> i took a look at it and then i, I realized more and more that there are some similarities with um, like the games I worked on before, these uh, MMORPGs mainly. The game itself is no MMORPG at all. I mean, a, we've got online multiplayer with up to 16 players. Um, but in general, it's a world that you, you know, kind of take care of. You go through it, uh, you you build your own farm and it's a, it's a game where you, that you don't really have to beat someone um, in the RMORPGs where you fight with you know, factions against each other. So, but it's always more about yourself, your character leveling up, uh, you buy maybe a bigger house or something. And that's kind of similar in farming simulator. When I had a look at the community, because part of my job as PR marketing manager as I figured out in the discussions with the, uh, my bosses back then, was that um, it's like the, the the community management, like taking care of the people who play the game and uh, represent them also in, like internally and you know, figure out what they like, what they don't like. And I've seen similarities there between MMO communities and like these the, the farming with the community, um, because both are very passionate about you know the the game itself about um, the mechanics, um, the tractors, uh, the tools, uh, they know them, they, they, they are really, they, they look at it and they, they want to see that it moves like in real life. And I think that there was kind of this, I saw that there was a similarity there between these two uh, communities. Uh, and that's where I thought, okay, that's, uh, even though I don't know all the tractors, the, um, I, I think I know how the community clicks, and I think that's there's some truth in there. Yeah. And then fast forward on April first, you made a joke saying this year we are going C sixty four, and then you finally did it. I I wonder how that happened. I mean, that is kind of crazy. I mean, now you're covering the retro community, so you are opening up to a whole new um, field of customers. Yeah, I mean, that for now, I mean, that is a kind of a one-off thing, I would say. I mean, even though it all started with us talking about it, uh, now it's two years ago, because it was 2017. Um, we, we talked about it when I think the this N6, uh, not N64, the C64 Mini came out, uh, because some of us bought it, and that, that kind of started us, you know, we, we started talking about it again. And then we realized how many of us actually played the C64 back then. And especially um, one of our audio, the audio designers, uh, Laszlo, um, he, you know, he, he still has connections to uh, the Hungarian uh, uh, C64 developer crew. And then we kind of thought, you know, we're on so many platforms. And then someone, I think, was choking around, yeah, but the C64 is still missing. And like, well, you know, we could actually do it. Uh, and then we, I think the first thought was like, you know, 
put up on the funny side. And then the more we thought about it, we, we thought, hey, we could just put it in the uh, press kit. And then we also thought, hey, we could actually put it in the collector's edition. <laughs> and once we decided to do that, we thought, how are you going to announce it? And then we thought, well, wait. it was, I think it was like March or February. We thought, oh, what about if we wait until April 1st and then we announce it? Uh, no one would believe us. And, <laughs> yeah, and then we announced on April 1st with a press release and even screenshots. And the screenshots were real screenshots back then. The game wasn't ready by then, but uh, it was like uh, a prototype. And yeah, no one believed us. But we, we never denied it. Afterwards, when people asked me, like, yeah, it's going to come. And no one believed us. And then, uh, I think they started believing it when the action, yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they started believing us when the uh, press release about the collector's edition came out and it actually said on the box, like, there's going to be a C64 edition in it. And then they were like, wait, that can't be a joke anymore. Like, no, it's not a joke. We told you it's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. And then we went one step further and we did that, what you just saw. Um, and we said, the, you know, the cartridge. Uh, let's create actual <laughs> cartridges, but in limited number because... Um, that might actually be one where I put the stickers on because you know, there's no, we, not like, we, like we're doing a C64 industry. You know, what we did was that um, the developers made the game and then we got the game there. And then our audio uh, designer was actually in a room for like maybe one or two days just copying like the game on cartridges. <laughs> then afterwards he was like, yeah, but someone else can put the stickers on. And then, you know, I went there with, with my marketing team where I come on, let's put some stickers on it. <laughs> and we sat there for like two days putting stickers on the cartridges. Uh, and now they're done. Uh, so yeah, that, that was an interesting, uh, yeah, project. <laughs> Interestingly, I, I heard about it thanks to the low tech 64 magazine interview. Oh, cool. Uh, and and they said in the interview originally you planned to make it as a press release only, but a few weeks later, Protovision actually um, had it in stock separately too. Um, yes, we. I think in the interview with Dotek, I I said something like um, we're gonna use it for the press kit, but we have to see how many we actually use and exactly. then how many we have left and how many we have left over. And then we had this plan, like, if there are enough left over, we can give some to ProTivision and actually make them available because it, you know, it's better than having them lying around, you know, behind me in the, the, uh, uh, yeah, the storage room. Um, so we got in touch with ProTivision and then, yeah, we made it available there. But it was quickly sold out, I think, like just a few days and then it was gone as far as I know. But yeah, like now, right now, the thing is like, you know, we're not thinking about actually, you know, mass producing it and selling it again. So if you got it, one of the lucky ones you got it, yeah. And um, as, you, as you spoke about the special collector's edition, that's actually um, the box here. And um, normally in the stores, you would get the collector's edition and you would get it on a CD rather than on a cartridge, right? As a D64 yes. image file. Yeah. Yes, um, there's an image file on it and then uh, the emulator, I think it's device emulator. So we designed it so that on the disk you just start it, it's like an auto run I think, and then you get a quick menu and you can start it and then it loads the emulator and the game at the same time so you can play it on a PC. Uh, but with the image file you can also put it on your own, uh, yeah, 
on the emulator. Uh, I think it also works in the C64 Mini. Um, um, but also, like, I think I saw someone who actually put it on an actual floppy disk somehow on, on YouTube. Um, so if you got the equipment at home, it's all possible. Except HJ said. Yeah, um, except on American systems. Uh, yes, work on the American yeah, C64. That's, that's the thing. Uh, I think when we did the press uh, kit, we actually gave people uh, like like this converter, no, like this the, the cables, so like NTS, a PAL NTC converter uh, mm -hmm. for some of them because we made some bigger press kits, only really just a few. I mean, I think it was like 12 or something, uh, where we actually also send a, a C64 with them. Uh, so, but these were part 664. So we, you know, for the Americans, we also put a converter in there. Um, but oh, then, seriously, okay. For the NTC version, yeah, I, I thought it would work, uh, but there was a misunderstanding, I think, with the developers. I'm not sure if it, if I'm not sure how we tested it, but yeah, sadly. But on the, I think the emulator versions should work on PC anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, emulator because you can run the emulator as anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you really shipped PAL C64 as a press kit to some Americans with power converters? Yeah, not, not many. I think you know, for the Americans, I think it was like three or four or so. Wow. Uh, some, I think like one or two YouTubers and then some press and the rest was in Europe. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just surprised by um, this huge energy and investment. I mean, I would know a lot of publishers who would not put so much effort in doing a proper release, considering <laughs> you, you announced it as an April's Fool's joke. So uh, most would just say, okay, it's uh, too much work to make a physical release. And then even sending, um, even if you say just two or three people sending European Z64s to, to uh, some YouTubers, though you really take it serious. Yeah, that goes back to what I said initially. Like, um, it's not. It's like the whole company is like. Once you're, you 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 like an idea, um, you're also fully behind it. And I think for that project, yeah, in a little bit, it it just grew bigger and bigger. And we always thought like, yeah, let's do more and more. And like, yeah, let's buy UC64s on eBay and send them with them. And like, yeah, uh, and then they're suddenly here. So the thing is like. It all went so fast sometimes, you know. So, suddenly there were like uh, 15 C64s in our office, and we we're like, yeah, now we have to ship them, you know. It's like, <laughs> there's, there's no going back. Um, so that's sometimes how it happens, you know. People love the ideas, and then we just kind of make it happen. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, looking back at it, you're like, yeah, that was actually quite a lot of work, uh, but it was fun, yeah. Mm. How was the reaction from the community? Um, what what kind of feedback did you get? Did you um, get any feedback, or was it mostly from you know press and all that stuff? Um, we actually got a lot of feedback. I think in general, like from um, yeah, like the normal press that was you know confused or uh, excited that <laughs> it was actually not an April Fool's joke. Um, we got more than I thought, to be honest, from the, uh, let's say, retro community. Um, because 
I have to admit that that was never really the the, the point that we uh, you know make you guys excited about farming simulator that much. You know, <laughs> it was just like that. We are also kind of retro gamers. I mean, I, I I quite miss the old games too. Like what I especially miss is like stuff like uh, these California games, and so where you where you're there with with friends in front of one PC, uh, PC, one computer, and you're like even if you're six or seven, you just you know each play after another hot seat, and you do this competitions. So that's something yeah. I miss in today's games actually. So stuff like this. Uh, so we love the C64 back then, and um, I think that's how it all started. And then we realized that with um, our game, we've got young players, like really young players, kids, I would say, teenagers. But it also goes up to people that are like uh, between 40 and 60. And a lot of them, they still remember the C64 and they also, you know, they like the C64. So I think from them, we got the feedback that they also thought it's a really great idea. They like they liked it that it's in the collector's edition. Um, of course, it's, uh, you know, the current game is graphically a bit better. Um, oh. So I think they probably played more, um, but um, the feedback was uh, pretty good. I mean, of course, it's a bit of a, say, a quick fun. Um, I'm not sure how many hours you spent playing it, um, but yeah, it's, um there were also some people who said like you know you you shouldn't you know shouldn't spend time on creating a c64 game and uh, focus on the real game but that's what i usually say is like you know there's none of the developers who worked on the real game worked on the c64 game it was always something like uh, we have the c64 development crew that can do it and on the other hand they couldn't really have maybe they could have helped us for Neo Farming Square 19, but I mean, when I tell you, I mean, it's it's clear that they they worked on that, you know, in their spare time kind of. They had different jobs at the weekends. They just know how to program a C64. That's how they got in touch with them. So, you know, speaking like that, there was no resources that would have, you know, been working on the real game in Farming Square 19 for that. Um, so the only thing there was more or less like, you know, that kind of extra money and, and, and effort from our marketing side, maybe that went into it. Okay. So in, in the end, you also did some kind of quality control, I guess, to make sure it's not um, a crappy basic game or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, again, not as much as on the real game, on, on, on the uh, Farming Square 19, but yeah, we've done some, yeah. Okay, interesting. So we've um, seen a lot of 2018 was kind of big for um, for conversions of of games. We saw, you know, um, uh, what's what's the uh, portal? Uh, portal. There is a yeah a version of Portal on the C64. Now there's a version of what's that? That oh, I can't think of what the name of it is now. It's the uh, oh god. Uh, oh, oh, oh uh, yeah, Lupo or something. It's Limbo, called. Limbo. Oh, Lim that's the one. Limbo. 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 Oh, that was that painful. Open source there. game. Yeah, yeah, Limbo. yeah, yeah. Right, Limbo. The, the one of the developers is converting a version of Limbo for the 64. Um, it feels like there's a lot of this happening in in 2018, and so Farming Simulator was was kind of an, another one of those really kind of big conversions with with kind of like the weight of a real, an actual software company behind it pushing this thing out. So um, 
as as you were saying, it was a kind of a bigger um, response than you thought of. So, are we looking at like potentially, you know, we because we also have demolition company and and ski region simulator that haven't been ported over yet. So, <laughs> uh, like I said, not at the moment. Uh, <laughs> in our company, I can re- never really say never. It's just like, I mean, a year ago. I wouldn't have thought that we actually no maybe two years ago I wouldn't have thought that I ever give this interview about a C sixty four edition, <laughs> uh, but at the moment we're not thinking about any other C sixty four games right now. Yeah, mm. there there were there were rumors and people were guessing it was probably the Hungarian demo Sinzingolar that did the conversion because they put their um, short name on on the disk image in the directory. Yeah, it's, it's them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> did you know that there are good developers know to make, um, known to make technical good software on a C64? Because I think if you release crap, it would have, it would have cost the opposite. You know, people would remember then the publisher as releasing the worst C64 game ever or something. I yeah. mean, think about think about ET on Atari, yes, <laughs> you know, worst game of all time. So I guess it's a risk. Um, to, well, I, to I didn't know them, but I trusted um, you know, our CEO and our audio designer that they know that they're good. Um, as far as I know, they haven't created that many games but they were more in the demo scene uh, exactly but yeah. um but these demos were good and you know it was not like we, we didn't announce it on on april 1st without having the prototype um so you know they created a prototype and we had a look at it and we we're like yeah it's going in the right direction so we can actually announce it otherwise we would have you know there was ah, always okay. the option to just say we're not going to do it. Yeah, uh, it was, releasing <laughs> it on April first was always gave me that back door of being like, well, you know, it was just a exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's interesting. It's interesting. So it it probably reminded you of California games and all that uh, times, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. So. Is there any plan what you do with it afterwards? I guess the collector's edition is not so limited after all. I mean, this the the one that doesn't have the cartridge in it, but uh, the C sixty four version on a um, seat, on a disc shaped CD sleeve. I think like thirty thousand units or something you put in the stores. Uh, I don't remember the exact the number. Collector's edition now. Yes. Um, um, I don't think we released the actual numbers. I mean, also because uh, I would have to figure it out, to be honest. But um, worldwide, that should be over 70,000, actually. 70,000. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. okay. Roundabout. I think the 30,000 might be Germany only, to be honest. Something around that, yeah. Uh, but so, the actual cartridges, they are quite limited. Uh, a couple so, of hundred. Well, that here. would be... This would... Pro- ah. Probably it's mirroring and stuff, but yeah, I guess it's like this, right? Like, yeah, this uh, CD shaped, um, this disc shaped CD in the collection, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. So, so of the 70,000 sold, 30 of that was in Germany. Like I said, I, I don't know the actual uh, sell through numbers, uh, but they you know that that should be around that, yeah, because mm, because exactly. you're gonna. 
Jurgen and I were, were, were talking uh, a while back, and we were talking about the, the NTSC stuff about it, and that was, and and I was thinking, you know, I don't know what the breakup of sales is between Europe and America. Um, and, and for some reason in my mind, I see Americans being more kind of crazy in that, like, you know, yeah. I just spent a long day working on the farm. I'm going to go play me some farm simulator now, you know. I don't, Europe doesn't, I don't think of farming so much in Europe, even though I'm, obviously there's farming in Europe and it's a thing that (laughs) people are aware of, you know, but in in my brain, I think of people in the Midwest, like hopping off the tractor and going inside and immediately, you know, going back onto the tractor on their computer. So where do Um, the sales kind of break up? How, how much of it is American? How much of it is European? I'd say now it's around 50, 50. Um, but that's since we started publishing the game on consoles, um, back then in, uh, with farming in the 13, before it was uh, PC and Mac only. And that's when it was more like a European phenomenon, strangely. Um, but well, actually not that strangely. I mean, the U S in the U S the consoles are way more important than I would say in Germany, especially in Germany, the PC is still really, really strong. Uh, I think it's you know coming back now with games like League of Legends and other games that are more you know on on PC only. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Germany, the PC was always strong, even though in these times where you know people said PC gaming is dead, uh, it was still strong in Germany. And the thing is that the collector's edition itself actually is um, PC only. There's no um, console collector's edition. That's also the reason why the collector's edition itself is not available in the U.S., for example, because mm-hmm. just the PC numbers are not that high, and it's it's tricky, you know, to, to manufacture it. Also, like you know, with the taxes and everything, or taxes, and how do you call that? Uh, uh, talk note. Value-added tax. VAT. Uh, no, no, he's talking about the um, yeah, income you know, tax or something. No, 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 the the the. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is just today is just a forgetting words day oh my lord um, tariffs 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 yeah like they like importing exporting mm-hmm. um so it makes it a bit more tricky um you know for, for the numbers on pc so you always have to do the math and that's why um in the pc collective edition is mainly in germany uh europe but most of it is uh, in Germany. Or in Germany. It's, it's still the strongest, I would say, PC-only market is the German one. And I saw on Twitter, actually, it has a huge UK community. Yeah, it does too. I mean, uh, also, uh, I would say France, Poland is also really, really strong. Um, we've got a, quite a number in Scandinavia and then South America is also growing bigger and bigger, like Brazil, for example. Um, but yeah, in general, it's kind of worldwide. But yeah, UK farmers are also really, um, you know, playing the game a lot. And uh, also, like, I think the UK YouTubers are, you know, uh, growing bigger and bigger. Um, so that usually helps too, yeah. yeah. That is crazy because it's not, because this is this is farming simulator. This isn't, and, and we're not talking about, like, like a like a garbage online thing like like Farmville where it's just sort of like you know, like you're sitting on the toilet, bloop bloop bloop. Okay, there's instant reward, whatever. This is like actual simulation of farming. 
Like, like this is get a track, get a specific tractor, go out there and plant your crops and wait for your crops to grow and then harvest your crops. This is like an actual, like, like you said earlier, like a real life simulation. And it just, it blows my mind that it's, that it's, it's, this is a genre that is so popular and, but people love it. Yeah. And it's not only that, um, it's also, I can hop in a train Mm-hmm. And that's something big because train simulators were always a genre in the last 10 years that uh, publishers abandoned. Train simulators. Didn't... You can't even steer them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why is that popular? Uh, and, and then I was like, okay, wow. Now, now there's actually a train in a in farming simulator that I can control. <laughs> So, yeah, it's not a, uh, it's, it's a bit limited, I would say, what you can actually do with the train in our game, but <laughs> you can use it. But it's not a train simulator yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that we, we kind of try to put as much as possible in there, um, everything that has to do with farming. And I think a lot of it is uh, down to you know, people uh, just wanting to relax. Um, and on the other hand, you've got the actual farmers who, who I think you know they just love the job and they love the machines and um, they ju- also I would say like they they would like you know they're gonna try out different machines and just want to recreate what they've done in real life. Um, <clears throat> in a way, what I always say is like uh, there are a lot of games out there that kind of recreate work. Depends on how you look at it. Um, like The Sims, for example. I mean. Just think about that. You you know you have. A, of course, it sounds like fun, but once you play, I mean, it's not better as a game because it's the same about like farming simulator. I think you know you take care of the people that live in a house, including stuff like like watering plants or emptying the trash can. Mm-hmm. That everyone would kind of see that as work at home. And why do you do that in the game? But there are millions of people playing that game, and the same I would say is even though it's maybe more fun. For some people to play it is like with the uh, the football or soccer games or, or Madden. There, right. it is exercise. It is for some people it's it's work because they're professional players, but still at home they play the games. Right. Um, of course, I mean these are more action-oriented games, so it's a bit different because you know that's actually you, you try to compete with someone. Um, but a lot of it is you know work and. It may, it might. I think it always depends on the perspective how you see it. Someone who hates soccer, football, might not play the game. Someone who really, really hates farming might not play farming simulator. But if you love it, if it's your genre, then you might play farming simulator or a train simulator. I mean, if you, there's a good chance I would say that <clears throat> someone who's got a very big miniature train. Uh, model thing in the basement might play a train simulator just because there's so much interested into it other people might not like it but um you know it's more it's about what you like and right. there's a lot of people who like farming like you said like in america there are also a lot of farmers mm-hmm. and naturally they you know they are more interested in a game than you know people who, you know might not be interested in farming mm-hmm. So, um, as you mentioned, um, console releases. I don't know right now. Do you have a Switch a Switch release too? Uh, we've got a Switch edition. It's more or less based on the Farming Simulator 17 version. 
for the 19, we haven't really announced anything yet. Um, we're still taking a look at it, um, depending on the hardware and everything. Yeah, that's interesting because, as you mentioned at the beginning of our interview, that um, when you reached out to the consoles, it, it gained more popularity outside of Germany. And that's interesting because um, we also run a booth at Gamescom each year. And last year, hmm. when I was in the business area, publishers would say, ah, Switch, we have to see. We have to see. Hmm. And the only publisher who really released a FIFA soccer um for Switch was EA, and um, mm. they based it on an older version of EA for the Switch, just as you said for the um, Switch release of Farming Simulator. Um, so yeah, was, but that was actually, the Switch edition got released before Farming Simulator 19, um, so there was no new edition at that point. I think uh, the decision now was more that um, when we created the PS4, Xbox uh, One version, and the PC version, we could all base them on the more or less on the same code and the same features uh, for the Switch. You know, as much as I like the console, uh, you, you there might be some compromises that you have to take. Um, that's why it's kind of an extra work to actually put it on the Switch, and that's why we decided to you know take a closer look at it afterwards. The same as we've done for 17, um, where um we said you know the the switch came out during development of 17 um but we thought okay now uh, it, it looks good but you know let's finish the game for the major platforms that you know we have a community on already uh and then we look at the switch and that's the same that we're going to do now i think that's what how many actually see it um, it's a different kind of console and i think also like um you always have to look at like the strength and the weaknesses of console and I think portability is definitely something that the Switch can do great. Um, and it would be, you know, you, know, you always have to look at it. Maybe they are, you do games that are more based on that and that you can take with you all the time. And like I have, you know, my nephew, he's got a Switch and I've never seen him playing it on the big screen. He always plays it uh, just in his hands. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, you know, maybe, you know, you don't need a game that is, you know, running well on a 55-inch uh, TV. You know, just make a game that is, you know, really working well handheld. Which our game actually does, I think. But <laughs> because it's so quiet, there's nothing really you have to do fast. But I can imagine, like, other games, like uh, maybe even FIFA that you mentioned it. Um, on a bumpy train ride or, or bus ride, you know, you miss a path because there was something. It could be that it's more <laughs> tricky when you have to react to it. In our game, that probably doesn't really happen. Um, right. But I think there are some games that are more suited for the Switch and some that might not be as good, yeah. You, you mentioned e-gamers before. You could, you could do a farming simulator, the racing game edition for e-gamers. Right. <laughs> we actually... Um, we actually did a few um, esports competitions last year. Um, we created a mod uh, map. That, so our game is also quite open for modding, so people can create their own tractors, maps, features, and that. And we've created a, a small map where you, um, in teams of three, you had to compress uh, straw bales and then pick them up with a forklift, or a forklift with a tailor loader, for example. 
and then uh, staple bale stack them stack them on a trailer and the first the team that got 20 bales the fastest uh, wins the tournament and uh, that was actually quite popular we you know we're thinking about you know expanding that a bit um, so the game itself doesn't really have an esports mode or something in it but with a you know bit of working around you can create some competitions yeah Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, as I see in your company, you're having crazy ideas and you go for it. Yeah. <laughs> we got some for this year, too. So it's like... yeah. Interesting. So, um, where do you want to go from there? Do are we, we seeing, any... are we going to see it a, a, yeah. an Atari or an Amiga or a, a port of the C64 version to a different retro console? uh not that i'm aware of at the moment <laughs> amiga would be nice amiga was I mean, my my uh my computer after the c64 the amiga uh, would be good yeah so i don't know not not at the moment um we now focus more on um yeah like you know there's more support coming out for farming zona 19 um you know also like for the models and for the you know development like with extra content uh, coming for it and then uh, like i said maybe also like other platforms uh, no retro platform though at the moment but, um yeah these are the things we're looking at and also maybe like um the, the stuff that we started last year with the uh, esports thing are we gonna have a look at that um it's all kind of you know i think we're gonna make a few more announcements maybe february march around that time in january um, that's I think that's the time where we try to get our crazy ideas together and see how much we can actually do um, without announcing too much. Because uh, you know, like I said, once it's out, there's no going back uh, <laughs> unless it's an April Fool's choke announcement. Um, yeah, then you yeah. could possibly go back, um, but we don't want to announce too much. Let's talk about this e-gaming and uh, modding communities thing because. Um, when I look at other games, for example, GTA V or something that have mods and other other games and other genres, a lot of publishers actually try to shut down the modding community and say we don't want gamers to tinker with our with our um, game. And you are doing it the other way around. You are saying, oh, we are actually supporting that, and we we love this e-gaming idea. Um, e-gamer idea. So I wonder, how did that start? Did 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 some community members say, "Hey, I made a e-gamer mod," and just said, "Yes, we make a competition now"? Or how did that the, start? The modding itself uh, started very early. I think it was already in the first version back then in two thousand eight. Um, it was possible to mod, but a bit more complicated. And then with the next one, it was made uh, way easier. And people could create their own tractors. The thing is that we're a small company; it was always kind of limited, you know, in terms of like what we can actually do. There's so many tractors and tools in the world, and uh, we can't recreate them all. So models could do, uh, you know, could add their favorite tractor, for example, if they knew how to do it. And in a way, it also benefits our game because um, people got like almost infinite content, you know, to play with. I think where the trouble starts with mods might be especially things like when you have like competitions online or people playing against each other and then there's a risk that maybe you know you you can cheat with some mods for example i mean um, like i said i'm not a developer so i don't know 
too much about it, but that's something I could imagine um, that mods start to become serious when there's like an advantage that you can get or you kind of break the game. And one thing that you know also you know affects us sometimes is people still um, you know try to uh, how how do you phrase it? Um, they come to you when they have problems with mods. Uh, so often also because they don't know that um, it's a mod that is causing the problem. But um, yes, I mean, when someone contacts our support, you know, um, you know, we try to help them. But one of the first questions is always like, have you tried it without any mods installed? And very often it actually solves the problem. So then, you know, the thing is you don't want to just, you know, send them away. You know, you can try to find out what mod is causing it. Um, but on the other hand, you should, you know, we also have to, you know, concentrate on the people who have problems with, with our game, with the stuff that we created, um, mm -hmm. because technically you can download everything on the internet, uh, put it in there and then break our game with it. And then you come to us uh, on the support hotline. So I think that that could also be something that some other companies, you know, just say like they don't generally don't want to do it. Um, in our case, I think the mods are just really important um, for the game. Uh, that's kind of something we have to do, but we always try to be as polite as possible. Um, also, when you know, someone comes and you know has 900 mods installed, there are actually people who come to the support and, and they have over 1,000 mods installed. And then, of course, your first thought is like, you know, maybe, maybe one of these mods is causing the problem. Or what also happens very often is like a combination of mods. So, you know, one mod is fine. Having the other mod installed is fine too, but having both just breaks something because um, right. they, they haven't developed, they haven't tested it with, with the other mod. When we create the game, of course, you know, we, we try to, you know, always test all the features like in combination with each other, with a mod, the developer just, you know, focuses on their mod, but can't test it with the yeah, millions is too much, but several thousands of mods that are out there and tested with each of these mods. Uh, so I think that might also be an issue. And uh, yeah, maybe also some, you know, is, uh, that, that can take some time. And how did that start with the um, e-gamer competition? Oh, yeah. uh, that's started uh, 2017, just before the Agritechnica convention. That's a big, or maybe even the biggest uh, agriculture convention in the world, or at least in Europe. I think it's the world, actually. And um, where well, we also usually go there and meet with uh, the manufacturers and, you know, uh, catch up, like, what they've done, what they've got new, what might be good for a game and so. Um, but then we had a few partners that reached out to us and we always thought that, you know, it might be fun to actually do some competition at an event at some point. Um, but I think none of us really like thought more about that idea at some point. We always thought it's, it's fun. Uh, but then when they reached out to us and we thought, you know, if we actually have some partners, you know, helping us and, uh, promoted and then they said you know we might actually think about prices and uh yeah and then we thought well, you know if we kind of share the work uh you know we can uh focus on creating that uh that mod map so that people can actually play with it 
uh, you maybe focus on creating the booth and maybe advertise it a bit and recruit the players. Uh, we actually take part in it. Uh, and then that's how it started. So the first one was at the Aquitechnica uh, convention. And yeah, and then we went on a bit further to do it. In our, we have got our own convention, the FarmCon um, in Germany. And last year we had 1,000 people coming there. Uh, so we thought, you know, that's also a good spot to, you know, make a competition. Uh, so we've done it there too. And then we also did uh, one or two uh, other conventions where uh, people from there also kind of reached out to us, like saying like, hey, um, there's also something in Poland, for example, uh, we could do it there. And we're like, yeah, um, you know, we don't speak Polish, but we've got one Polish guy in our company, so uh, that's fine. But, you know, without local partners, we couldn't have done it. Um, so we said, okay, let's do it. So I would say that was similar to the C64 edition where someone just came to us with the idea and then we thought it's a good one. And then, yeah, once you announce it, it's over. You have to do it. Uh, that's how it is. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's totally interesting because uh, usually publishers that I speak to they are not doing something because it's always a risk. Um, you know, you, you know, you have this thing like, for example, let's let's put for example Konami. They never did something retro, and now that everybody is doing retro, they announced they are doing a new version of Hyper Sports. You know, <laughs> oh, really? After, like, it's, yeah. It's not yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting that uh, that um, companies now say, "Okay, we do it because others do it too." But yeah. but you say you decide on, "I do it because I think it's a fun idea." So you are not scared of taking risks and going new ways. Yeah, I mean, we've done the same game for 10 years, so that's... Like, <laughs> 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 we need something. Ah, exactly. okay. No, uh, that's, that's not what I meant. I mean, of course, uh, uh, we, we've done more stuff with it, and we also took some risks with the game, of course. Um, but I think, well, of course, there's some risk, like, in, this, in the things that we've done, um, but there was the things that, that we, you know, we wanted to do. Um, so I think it's different if it's something that we wouldn't, you know, want to do. And then at the same time, it's an investment and the risk. And because I, I would say like worst case, you know, if it fails, we at least had fun creating it at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, and then we also hope that some people had, you know, fun with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of course, if this... If no one would have been interested in C64 edition, uh, then it would still be in the collector edition and people who bought the collector edition have it. Um, so it would more or less, you know, it would have been an investment. We had the time, maybe it would be sad that we spent so much time putting stickers on the cartridge, no one would like it. Um, but now it's just, you know, fine that it worked out like that. Um, with eSports, I think it's it's the same, you know, because it's also something we we want to do. We also have esports fans in our company, and they say like, you know, it would be fun doing it. And as long as it's fun, you know, it it's not really a lost investment because I think it's always, you know, it's nicer if you're working, you have fun instead of like working on something that you don't want to do. 
uh, you know, I can't speak of the other companies now, but maybe uh, they don't want, sometimes you don't want to take risks because yours are not interested in actually doing it. And then at some point you think maybe, oh, we have to do it because everyone else is doing it. Um, <laughs> so I would definitely say in our case with the esports, it was not, not really like, uh, uh, we have to do it because you know esports is the next big thing or something like that. Um, I think for us it was more like um, how can we come up with alternative content for all people? And we was like, you know, it would be nice to have something. That's one thing that at least I always thought about, and some of my team we talked about it before they addressed us with the idea. Uh, it was like when we go to conventions. And we have people there that know our game already and they bought the game. Sometimes you're there and you know we, we show the game, but it's the game they already have at home and there's no point for them coming to our booth apart from talking to us. <laughs> and maybe show others how much they know about the game. And that's what I, you know, if, if we have something like a competition, then we have something for them to come to our booth and have fun there. And mm -hmm. it's also like, it's like event content more or less. So that, that was the idea behind it, like um, having something like that and not just, you know, to make money with it or something like we probably won't. But it's, like, um, <laughs> it's more like, you know, a bit like yeah, extra content after the game got released. Well, so I'm looking forward to this. Is that you, you, you are planning on making this e-gamer competition thing maybe a bit bigger? So I'm looking forward to what you are going to announce this year about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like I said, we're still talking about it and see how how, how much we're going to do, uh, what we're going to do. But uh, I mean, we've done a few events now, so it, it's probably, you know, we probably won't have been the last that we did last year. Um, but let's see how much we're going to do. Great. Wonderful. Very cool. <laughs> so um, I think from my side, we got it covered pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jazzed. Wow, we cool. spoke one okay. hour about farming simulator. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have thought about that a year ago, I guess. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, farming simulator was on the rear end of my list of games <laughs> I want to buy. But you know, but now, now I have a different point of view. I really enjoyed playing it on the C64 and the PC. Yeah. And you know, and suddenly, like, wow, you have passed two hours now. Spend two hours on a on on a farming simulator, like oh my god, you know, yeah, I would have never thought that, you know, the like, awesome sound, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the automatism, you know, and like and and then hiring a helper so you can do something else instead. So um, I plan to play like ten minutes, and it ended ended after two hours. Uh, so yeah, that goes that really proves... fast with the game, yeah. That proves um, that, that it's really very entertaining. Yeah. If you haven't played it online with a friend yet, I highly recommend it because um, uh, I started out playing it single player, uh, and then I just met an ex colleague of mine again, and we thought, "Yeah, let's catch up again on Skype." And like, really, well, why don't we play the game while you know at the same time we talk on Skype because. Yeah, you know, I, I could use some help on, on my farm and I need some grass <laughs> for my cows and then you could help me. And then we ended up the same that you just did like, you know, we, I think three hours I drove behind him 
while he was mowing the grass and I picked up the grass and then uh, we talked and we were kind of productive at the same time, you know, because his cows were happy afterwards. Um, but it's actually quite nice together because you can still talk with each other. It's not like other games where you, when you play them online with your friends, you, you more or less just say like, oh yeah, that was luck or I beat you and now. Uh, yeah, trash talk. That's trash talk. So you can actually talk while you play the game. And I quite like that. Uh, when I realized that, and I was like, yeah, that's actually something I totally forgot about that game, that it's very social, too. Yeah. Maybe we can try it sometime, if you like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I yeah. play on the PS4, though. I don't know which way. You got the PC version, right? I got the PC it version. Is, I don't know. Yeah. Is it, it cross-platform compatible? No, it's not. Uh, not um, we're kind of still looking into it. It's like the same thing. We're passionate about that, too. Um, okay. But um, we need to look in the technical stuff. But, ah, um, okay. Yeah, let's see. But yeah, because How... I kind of got rid of all my gaming PCs and playing the consoles. Um, ah. PCs. How about the Switch to... edition? Do you? I don't know. Does it work? Um, uh, too? It does not have uh, multiplayer. No. Ash. That was ah. one of the things we had to get rid of for it. Yeah. Ah. Uh -huh, okay. That's a pity because I just got a Switch for Christmas. So maybe oh, that would yeah. have been an option for me. Mm. No, uh, that's, 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 sadly that doesn't work. No. Okay, <laughs> but but if you but if you worked out the cross-platform thing, <laughs> let me know, and I will yeah. definitely be your customer. We can do that. It probably won't work ever with, with playing FS19 on PC and then a C64 edition. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for that YouTube video, that comparison yeah. YouTube video, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah give it time, though, because, you know, I mean, it, it just goes to show how active even the, the, the cracking scene in the C64 still is, <laughs> because I swear within a week of Farming Simulator coming out, there were at least six different cracks online of it <laughs> i saw that yeah yeah <laughs> but no ntsc fix from what no, I not yet not yet i'm waiting yeah. i'm waiting <laughs> ah it's it's nice um so, so where can people actually found find out about you and farming simulator uh yeah on our website uh farming simulator.com that's where you can find out more about it you can also buy the uh, c64 edition there in case you don't want the correct version uh it's still available there uh but also in the normal game um we encourage everyone to buy the actual version instead of the cracked version that's i think it's only like five euros or something on our website like that we just wanted to make it available but not like completely for free because it wasn't the collector edition so right and, um, and the best way to get to to let developers know that that you're into something or that it's a worthwhile endeavor is to actually purchase the product from them because you know if you want to see an atari version or an amiga version it's not going to happen if people don't buy the c64 version essentially yeah yeah actually actually i bought i bought the collector's edition from denmark mm -hmm. despite i got um the press press kit because mm -hmm. it's a different release and i wanted to support the company yeah. I thought, hey, why not? Why not getting? Um, well, I, I bought it despite the fact that I have an NTSC C64 because yeah. it's a C64 release, and you want to support the company. Yeah, so right. why not? Why not? Um, so, so where can people find out about you? I don't know if you are allowed to say. Uh, what do you mean? Like, I uh, mean, I mean, you, you spoke where people can get Farming Simulator. 
how can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram somewhere. You can probably find me there. Uh, if you follow my Twitter, you might find my Instagram too. I share some pictures there. Um, I just forgot my Twitter handle, actually. I think it's Martin Rabo or something like that. You will probably find it, I guess, if you look. Sure. We will link to everything in the description. Yeah. No problem. Uh, wow. Thanks for taking the time and talking about so much things with us. Yeah, no problem. It was good fun. A different evening than usual. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know when we release this and uh, hope we can catch up. I, I want to know more about the e-gaming stuff when it's, yeah, when it's so coming out. Reach out to me, yeah. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Have a nice sure. evening. Bye-bye. So that was Martin Garl. Pretty nice, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That was very cool. How's your battery? Down to like 8% now? I know. I don't see it because Skype is full screen. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, we were just going to try. We're just going to hope that we've got enough. So Enough of what? Enough of your battery to finish the podcast. I mean, the 10% has lasted like, like an hour now. I know. It's, as I said, it's uh, high capacity. Yeah, these new iPhones, man, they, they're amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's... Actually, actually, it's interesting. The, um, because, you know, the old battery would only last for a day. This doesn't matter what you do. Right. And during Christmas and all that stuff, I was using it a couple of times and, and, um, at 11 p.m., so the day was almost over, I had 68% battery left. Mm. I was like, is this a joke or is this real? <laughs> this, is, this battery is amazing. This battery is amazing. Yeah. I, I wonder why, why, why does Apple not do such batteries? I have no idea. Oh. It's obviously possible to make a battery that lasts longer than just a day. Oh yeah, oh it definitely is. Is <laughs> so it's not not fake label. It's true. They mm. actually hold up to their promises. So not not everything from China is crap, despite Trump is saying so. <laughs> <laughs> Some things from China are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty. So um, let me call you on the PC and well, let's you hope can the... you you can check out. Farming Simulator, farming you can check out Farming Simulator. Farming Simulator is at farming-simulator.com. Um, and we'll put links to everything that we talked about in the description down that away so that you can check that out and go there and buy things and support companies that support the C64 because that's, again, that's the only way we're going to get more stuff like this is if we all kind of collectively, you know, make it yeah. worthwhile. And they were serious about it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put so much effort in it. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll, okay. see, we'll, maybe we'll see that Amiga version next if we all gather <laughs> together. And... Or the NES version. Yes. <laughs> so see ya. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay.